Again, my name's Todd. It's great to be with you this morning. Jason sends his, his prayers for us. He's, uh, he's healing up. He's, he's in a little bit of pain, but he's healing up. Uh, before I start, there's just a point of clarification, something I probably shouldn't tell you all, but this is the first pair of corduroys I've owned since elementary school. <laughs> and I forgot that when you wear corduroys, every time you walk, so all morning I've been like wondering who's behind so Chaz if there's like weird noise it's just it's my pants that are talking to us this morning that's another one of those things I just should have kept to myself this morning I'm sorry wait some of you've been asking me what is this thing on my wrist what what did you do that you're wearing this thing and um, about about a year ago I noticed that whenever I I picked something up, if I, if I did a lot of strenuous work, that I would get this sharp, sharp pain in my thumb, right where my, my thumb and my wrist comes together. And, and it would hurt for a while, and then it'd stop. And then it would hurt for a while, and then it'd stop. And, and eventually, it got to the place around April this year that it just was hurting constantly. So I decided in, in May I'm going to go see the, the orthopedic surgeon. My doctor recommended somebody I should go see, so I went to see him. I saw them. They took some x-rays, and they said, um, welcome to old age. You have arthritis in your thumb, that little piece of cartilage that separates your thumb from your wrist and makes it nice and squishy isn't there anymore. Um, and eventually you're going to get a present of the other thumb will probably do the same thing and the doctor said there's there's a couple options one you're too old for you've you've aged out of the surgery where where we play a rector set with your your thumb and we put screws and things in there the bad news is you're not old enough for the surgery where we we fuse it all together um, and 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 you'll lose some mobility and some, some strength in doing that. So what we'd like to do is just send you to PT, to physical therapy, so you learn how to use this thumb that you've been using for 52 years in a whole new and different way, which was interesting. And, and I was like, all that's great. It really hurts. What do I do? And the doctor said, well, you can take ibuprofen or, or, or Advil or Tylenol, but we don't want to give you a cortisone shot because if you get the cortisone shot, it'll stop hurting. And if it stops hurting, you won't use it the way you're supposed to. The pain that you feel that you, that you have when you, when you do things with this, this hand, it's going to help you learn how, it's going to remind you that you need to use your, your thumb in a different way. So this thing protects my wrist, my, 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 my thumb, but it also kind of bends my thumb in the, this new way that I'm supposed to use it. So that's, that's what that is. And that's, that's the point of, of, of the pain that I was experiencing. Pain is, is not fun. I mean, really, pain is the enemy. Unless you're at the gym, you know, where, you know, no pain, no gain, which I argue with the guy, who, my, my trainer Joey, every week that that's not a really good model either. 
But we have this idea that pain is the enemy. It's something to be ignored, avoided, and medicated as long as possible. We in America, every year, we spend nearly $650 billion on pain management medication. And that doesn't include the billions that we pay on for over-the-counter pain medication. And it doesn't include the hundreds of millions of dollars we spend on, on homeopathic and complementary medications to, to avoid, to stop the pain that we feel. For, for, for many of us, when we can't medicate our pain away with prescriptions, we often turn to, to other things and addictions to help manage our pain. Addiction, whether that's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, uh, work, whatever it is, they all at their core serve the same purpose, and that's, that's to avoid, to medicate some sort of pain. Now, to, to be fair, we pour all this time and attention and resources into pain management because pain hurts. I mean, pain is painful. And, and it doesn't matter if it's physical or emotional pain. In our brains, whether you hit your finger with a hammer or you suffer a breakup or a loss or you're feeling depressed or anxious, it all registers in our brain as pain. It doesn't distinguish between physical or emotional. In fact, it's, it's, it's our emotional pain that, that we feel and, and, and that registers in our brain that we actually carry with us a lot longer than the physical pain. If I hit my thumb with a hammer, a year ago, I'm not going to remember that pain. It's not necessarily going to come back when I, when I go to hammer something today. But if there's an emotional scar from childhood, as an adult, if that memory comes to mind or if it gets triggered somehow, oftentimes I'm going to feel that pain today the same way I felt it originally. We are in the fifth week of this sermon series called For All the Saints where we're looking at the lives of different saints in the church as we make our way, as we journey to next Sunday, All Saints Sunday, uh, where we will celebrate and remember the saints of our lives, both as a congregation and individually who've who've gone on before us, who've, who've died, not just in this last year, but, but who've, who've been a part of our lives. We'll, we'll remember and celebrate what Hebrews says is our great cloud of witnesses. And, and next Sunday, you'll be invited up to receive the gifts of communion, of the, of the bread and the cup. And then, then lining the, the whole platform here is going to be hundreds and hundreds of candles, little votive candles. And you'll be invited, if, if you want, to, to light a candle to remember and celebrate the life of someone uh, who's, who's, who's died, who's, who's impacted your life. And as a congregation, we'll remember our dearly departed who've passed on this year as we, we read out their names and we'll light very specific candles for them. We've defined a saint as someone with a story 
of their love for Jesus and how that love translates to other people. Jason began with St. Francis and his love for Jesus led him to love and give and serve the poor. And we looked at Perpetua and Felicity whose devotion to Christ and love for one another was so strong as they faced persecution in Rome. On week three, we looked at Joan of Arc and how she shed, her story shed light on how Jesus calls us to live a life of love on our way to the cross. And, and last week, Jess, Pastor Jason preached on St. Nicholas and how his love for Jesus grew this deep-seated generosity and benevolence and kindness to those in need. Well, this week we're going to hear uh, briefly the story of, of, one of the, a newer saint, and by newer I mean the late 1800s, uh, but I want to tell you the story of St. Damien of Molokai. Damien was a priest from Belgium who at the age of 33 left home to minister to the needs of people with leprosy on the Hawaiian island of, of Molokai. When Damien arrived on the island, he told these people with leprosy that he was serving. He said, I will serve as one who will be a father to you and who loves you so much that I do not hesitate to become one of you, to live and die with you. And for the next 16 years, that's exactly what Damien did. He lived with, he ate with, he tended to the wounds of, and he ministered to the needs of people with leprosy. Eventually, he too became infected by the disease and died after 16 years of service. And, and this first picture, I mean, Damien arrives, he's 33 years old, he is this He's this handsome, ruggedly, ruggedly good-looking young guy. And just a few years later at 49, he's, he's almost unrecognizable as his body has just become riddled with the disease. His hands just beat up. Leprosy today is also known as Hansen's disease, and it's a, it's a contagious disease for a very small number of people, but, but it impacts, it attacks the nervous and respiratory system of people who contract it. The disease, what it does is it, it kills the nerve endings that transmit pain to the brain. Leprosy patients don't feel pain. So when they twist their ankle or burn their fingers in a fire or they get a speck of dust in their eye or they cut their finger, their body doesn't tell their brain. The nerves don't tell their brain that something has happened to them. As a result, many folks with Hansen's disease, with leprosy, they lose their fingers limbs, their sight, and, and throughout history they've been shunned and they've been sent away, they've been kicked out of community to suffer alone because of their disfigurements. Their bodies become more and more infected because of the repeated injury and then combined with the impact on breathing they eventually succumb to their wounds. This is a wonderful sermon for Family Sunday, isn't it? 
Well, here's people who cannot feel and experience pain, and then there's us who do everything we can to avoid pain. What does that tell us about the importance of pain and suffering? Uh, there's a, a, a surgeon and author I love. His name is Dr. Paul Brand, and, and, and Dr. Brand spent his whole life working with leprosy patients in India and then here in the United States, and he eventually wrote this great book called Pain, the gift that nobody wants. And Brand says pain is not the enemy, but pain is the loyal scout announcing the presence of the enemy. Without pain, we lose the warning signal that something is wrong. Silencing pain without considering its message, Brand says, is like disconnecting a ringing fire alarm to avoid receiving bad news. People who cannot feel pain lose the ability to deal with the causes of the pain because they don't know they're in distress. I love that. Pain is the loyal scout alerting us to the presence of the enemy. Now, Scripture never explains to us why we have to have pain and suffering, why pain and suffering exist. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the book of Job, Job tries his level best to corner God onto why pain happens, but God doesn't give a clear answer at all to what Job's asking. The closest that we get is pain and suffering exist because humanity chose sin and death over life with God. Pain and suffering are a result of humanity's rebellion from God, not divine punishment from God. Pain and suffering are also not something God causes to happen so others can learn a deeper lesson about God Pain and suffering were never a part of God's original plan, but God actually used his own pain and suffering to rescue the world from the ultimate enemy, death. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the, the letter of Romans. It's on page 919, Romans 8, in the black books in front of you or underneath your pews. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. It's a church in turmoil. It's a church comprised of, of Jews who were returning to Rome after Emperor Claudius expelled them from the city and a church of the remaining Gentiles who had been meeting together in their absence. And Paul is trying to teach them how to live life together again as followers of Jesus, people of the new creation. I'm going to start reading at verse 18. I invite you to, to read along. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as it suffers through the pains of labor. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly while we wait for adoption and redemption of our bodies. For, we, for in hope we were saved. Now hope is that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what all one already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in, with patience. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we, too, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And God, who searches hearts, knows what is the, in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, stop there for a moment. I think Paul gives us three truths about pain and suffering in Romans 8. The first is that, that pain and suffering, they are real. The second is pain and suffering, it is temporary. And the third is that pain and suffering, they're communal. So the first one, pain and suffering are real. Look at verse 22, 23, and 26. The whole creation has been groaning. We ourselves have been groaning, and even the Spirit has been groaning. What does this word groan mean? The, the Greek word that we translate as groaning is, is a word stenazo. And it, is, it means this deep, internal, uncontrollable response to pressure. Suffering and pain are real, and our response is a physical, visceral response. It's, it's not to stoically face life and pretend that things don't hurt. But Romans gives us permission and calls us to live in the realness of the pain. Paul Brand says the hurt of pain forces the entire being to attend to the danger. Once aware of the cut on my finger, I forget all about my crowded schedule and the long line of patients outside. I do what? I run for a bandage. bandage. Pain ignores, even mocks all other priorities. Pain unmakes a person's world. It demolishes objectivity. Another author who's written about pain, a guy named Jerry Sitzer, uh, says that pain changes how we perceive and interact with everything. It changes the way we perceive and practice our roles. Pain and suffering changes our definitions. That's because pain and suffering, they are real. And there's no spectrum of, of pain and suffering. Do you remember in Jaws where they're all kind of showing their, their scars and, you know, this is my scar, you know, and he throws his, I'm not going to do that, but shows his leg. There's no comparing our pain and suffering. What hurts to me hurts to me. It doesn't matter how big or small you may think it is. My pain and suffering is real the same as your pain and suffering is real regardless of what it is. The invitation 
is to recognize the realness of what we're living through and the impact that it has on our day-to-day lives. The invitation is to release the stenazo, the groaning that's inside of us. So that's the first, pain and suffering are real. Second, pain and suffering are temporary. Paul starts off in verse 18 by writing that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory about to be revealed to us. Paul says, I know you're suffering right now, but take hope because glory, resurrection, new creation is coming. Everything will be revealed, including our bodies. The pain we experience now will be healed for good. I love what, what, what David writes in Psalm 30. He says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but, a, but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. He goes on to write, You have turned my mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, my grieving, my pain, my suffering, into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my joy may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, Jesus, he's just hours away from the cross, and he tells his closest friends, in this world you will face persecution, affliction, pain, suffering, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. The promise is that pain and suffering, no matter what it is, is temporary. But remember that pain and suffering is also real. And when you're in the midst of your pain, it doesn't feel like it's temporary. It seems like it's going to last forever and ever. But the promise, it can be both at the same time. Does that make sense? Pain can be real and last forever in the moment. And it can also be temporary. It can be both at the same time. It feels like this is never going to end, and yet the promise that it will is real at the same time. The promise is that pain and suffering, no matter what it is, is temporary. The promise, Paul says, the good news, the truth of eternity is that the redemption of our bodies, resurrection is coming. Real whole life, the way God intended it before humanity's rebellion. The pain is real. Pain and suffering are temporary. The last one is pain and suffering are communal. Look again at the passage we just read in Romans. Creation and the Spirit grown together with us in our suffering. Time and time again, God promises over and over throughout Scripture to be with us in the midst 
of our pain and suffering. We do not face it alone. Whether it is God, the good shepherd, walking with us, beside us, through the valley of the shadow of death, or it is Jesus weeping with us as we mourn the death of our loved ones, or the Spirit is groaning with us, God never leaves us in the midst of our pain and suffering alone. Not only is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us in our pain, but Scripture says that the whole community of believers is to share in carrying the pain and suffering of one another. In Matthew 25, Jesus says when we, when we tend the sick, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, and visit the prisoner, it is as if we are tending, clothing, feeding, and visiting him. In Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians, Paul instructs us to bear one another's burdens. In the book of James, James tells us to pray with one another when we're sick, when we're in pain, and anoint those among us who are in pain and suffering. We share together, are called to share communally one another's pain and suffering. I, I can talk this theoretically up here all day. Um, I won't, but I could. But it would be better if one of our own told a real-life story. What that looks like. October, we're, we're ending October. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, and, and one of our own, uh, Debbie Miller, Debbie attends second service. She sings in our choir. She, she sent an audio clip to, to, Jace, uh, to Anthony uh, of her testimony, a real quick story that, that she just, she had a sense she was to share and it fits perfect. So I wanted to share it with you. So I invite you to listen to Debbie this morning. Go ahead and play that. My, My name is Debbie Miller. I've been attending Seattle Ridge since 2017. The first time I heard the message here, I felt like I needed to refocus my attention toward God and the bigger picture. I was in a time of transition as an empty nester and felt an emptiness that couldn't be filled with worldly things. When I was 33 years old, I was diagnosed with stage 2 ductal carcinoma of the breast and underwent a mastectomy. God was there when I was operated on by a compassionate and highly skilled surgeon. God was all around me, holding me up with the support of other teachers who cried tears for me when I couldn't let down and cry. After surgery, I was offered a plan to do radiation treatments and chemotherapy. I opted out of chemo because I wanted to continue teaching without side effects and to be fully present. God was there when he made me see the glass was half full and gave me the will to continue my life with faith and optimism. With God's grace, I have been cancer-free for 39 years. Thanks be to God. Did, did you hear Debbie's story? God was with her. Her pain and suffering were real, and her community shared in her pain and suffering with her. 
There is a fourth truth about pain and suffering. And that is my pain and suffering gives me eyes to see and connect with your pain and suffering if I'm willing to let it. Dr. Brand also writes that as a society gains the ability to limit suffering, it loses the ability to cope with what suffering remains. As a society gains the ability to limit suffering, the better we get at eliminating pain and suffering, it loses the ability to cope with what suffering remains. Father Damien went to Hawaii to work with people with leprosy who had been forced to leave their homes and live in a quarantined intern camp, penal colony just for people excluded, people with, with leprosy. Because the society, the culture was unwilling to deal and unable to deal with their pain and suffering. Our suburban life and location allow us, if we're not careful, to be insulated from the pain and suffering of people around us as well. I, I love this picture in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. After nails have pierced his hands and feet and the spear has pierced the side on the cross, the resurrected, risen Jesus appears to Thomas and invites him to, to reach out your hand and put it in my side. Remembering and telling the story of our pain and suffering does the same thing. It attunes our hearts to recognize pain and suffering in others by inviting them to put their hand in our wounds. And like magnets, it draws our shared pain together and gives us the opportunity to groan and be with one another. A, a friend of mine uh, is a pastor over in Dayton. His name is John Morgan. And John was a pastor in Dayton when the, hurric the, the hurricanes, the tornadoes ripped through the heart of Dayton uh, a few years ago. And, and his church became a, a hub of help and service. About two days after the tornadoes uh, did their damage, a woman from Oklahoma, her car packed with supplies, showed up at John's church. And she told him, not too long ago, my home in Oklahoma was leveled by a tornado. And the people from the United Methodist Church were the people who walked alongside me and helped me pick up the pieces. When I heard about the devastation in Dayton, I drove through the night looking for Methodists to work alongside and return the favor. Recalling her own pain, remembering how others showed up to be with her, gave her a new set of eyes and ears to see and hear others in pain. And we're invited to do the same. It's an invitation to remember our own journeys of pain so we can recognize the pain and suffering of others. It's an invitation to recall the feelings again so we can groan with and bear the burdens of others in the midst of their pain.
Will you pray with me? I, God, I don't want to minimize pain at all. And there are folks here, uh, here live together and, and online who are, are up to their eyeballs in pain, can't take another step, are wondering how they're going to make it. God, would you let them know that they're not alone? May they hear the groans of your spirit groaning with them. May they sense the closeness of your presence. And Lord, may there be folks, maybe folks sitting next to them right now who may reach out a hand and bear that pain and suffering with them. Lord, give us all eyes and ears to remember our pains so that we can see others who are struggling too. We ask all this in Christ's name as together we say, amen. Okay, I told too many jokes.